You're listening to 101.9 FM, KPCRLP, Santa Cruz. Tony Duchesne here, and welcome to Drinks with Tony. Today my guest is Jenna Matlin. She's the author of Will You Give Me a Reading? What You Need to Read Tarot with Confidence. We discuss the psychic phenomenon that happened during the show, clown classes, Philadelphia versus New York City, reading tarot cards at festivals, and so much more. Hey, I'm Jenna Matlin, and you're listening to Drinks with Tony. Get on the Drinks with Tony show, yeah. You're listening to Drinks with Tony. I'm your host, Tony Duchesne. Today on the show, we have Jenna Matlin. She's the author of Will You Give Me a Reading? What You Need to Know to Read Tarot with Confidence. Jenna, hi. Hello. How's it going, Tony? Well, it's going all right. I had therapy, so now I'm feeling like, now I'm feeling a lot better. And now I'm talking to a um, a tarot reader and all things esoteric. It's interesting because when I read, like it's well, um, I just it excites me to know end because I'm still trying to figure out tarot myself. So when I got to talk to someone who knows about it, the thing that keeps coming back is it's all about kind of storytelling. Is that true? It is absolutely. Yeah. And, uh, but it's also about being careful what story you're telling. So is it okay. your story you're trying to tell? Is yeah. it the, the tarot cards story you're trying to tell? Or is there another story uh, from the client or the querent that is trying to be told? And I think that's really the huge message in the book is listen to the voice that's speaking and be really cognizant of it when it arises so that you can speak from a very um, just self-monitoring and clear place. Um, But when we get into predictions, you know, like this is why I have physics, like absurdly brief, like piece of physics in the book, which is our idea that time is like a, you know, a train on a track with past, present, future, is really just a Western model of time. And so what does it look like when we start breaking what that means to use a tool for prediction if we're not looking at time in such a linear fashion? And that's something I talk about too. So I really kind of look at it as like the multiverses, you know, Mm -hmm. the many worlds concepts of, it's not a train on the track. You are looking up into a tree and every choice is a branching off of the tree. So when we ask a question of tarot, it's not really seeing what's necessarily down on the track, but it is focusing on one of those branching off points. And so then you have to ask yourself, why is it showing us this branching point and not another? And that's what I talk about in the reading too. And and it's, it's so cool and profound because it's like, um, we, it, we all have, we all make choices every day and those choices can affect the rest of our life. And they could be a a small little choice. And that little choice can become a huge, you know, that little choice that we thought was a little leaf becomes a tree to us in five years because we moved in that direction. It's, it's, it's so, and that's why I love learning more and more about tarot and astrology and like, just the planets because it's it's um you know it's and i plus i grew up where it was very demonic to go anywhere near it i couldn't like i couldn't even look at a page of uh in the newspaper that had astrology predictions i had to like turn it away real quick or satan would sodomize me so but then i (laughs) then i found out he doesn't do that anymore he's oh (laughs) that doesn't sound so bad i mean you you really so you're into satan sodomy (laughs) (laughs) By Satan, I don't know. I am guessing he's been around for a long time, so uh, he now, might have some experience. <laughs> he might be good at it. <laughs> might be, yeah. I think he would be rough. Um, <laughs> do you believe in Satan? Do I believe in Satan? Yeah. No. Okay. Cool. Not yeah. at all. Yeah, me, me either. But I think it's, but it's an interesting. Uh, what do you call it? Parable, I guess, of sorts, or how people. Um, think of evil there's tom tom waits had this great line in one of his songs he says uh you know there ain't no devil it's just god when he's drunk (laughs) 
Well, you know, I think, well, in, in tarot, you know, I find the devil one of the most <clears throat> helpful cards for right, me. Right, because it's a card. Yeah, I keep forgetting. Mm -hmm. See, I'm I'm still in learning phase. So okay, cool. Oh, let's, no, let, let's talk, let's talk the devil card. Yes. Yeah. So right, tarot comes out of the 1400s. It's originally a playing card deck, but it's steeped in Italian, you know, Middle Ages philosophy of life. And so it's deeply Catholic um in its approach. Um, but when you look at the devil, as we've seen it in the Rider Waite Smith, the way that most people see the devil card in tarot, you have the horned one sitting on a throne and you have two naked people, a man and a woman who is chained to the throne. And if you compare the Rider Waite Smith, the lover's card and the devil, they are mirror images of each other. So a lot of people don't know that. Um, but for me as a reader, the devil is one of the most helpful cards because it often speaks to, well, addictions, lies, obsessions, our inner critic, things that feel dark and on often not conscious. So it is a beautiful weather vane for me um, in readings. And so when people say that tarot is evil or the devil or whatever, you know, I have to say, like if the devil made tarot, why would he put himself as the bad guy? He wouldn't have put himself there at all. That alone tells you a lot. Yeah. It just what is it called? Reasonableness. Reasonableness. <laughs> yeah. I'm still trying to learn all. I'm I'm trying to learn tarot and reasonableness too. It's um, but it's just tarot is far more easier to learn than than reasonableness. <laughs> <laughs> I I know I know. What what got you into uh, tarot? Were you like were you uh, one of those teenagers that was smoking cloves and then like uh, going to golf clubs and um and then just had your tarot cards or <laughs> close? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, I was never the goth kid. I was the kid that hung out with the goth kids, but I was always like wearing colors and stuff. I was never the type to like ascribe to a scene, you know, um, nowadays the parlance is aesthetic, but, um, you're, you're goth adjacent. I'm goth. Uh, yes, <laughs> I was goth adjacent. Um, but actually the story begins with a drag queen and a neighborhood of drag queens that moved into my area. Uh, now what area is this? Are you in like Philadelphia? I was, I'm in North Carolina now, but I'm okay. originally from Southern California. Oh, you're originally from Southern California. Now, you know, why are all the cool people in North Carolina now? Like everyone I know is cool. Like I've, I've interviewed and my friend just moved to North Carolina and she, her and her husband are from San, uh, from LA. We, I live in LA now. I keep forgetting. Um, <laughs> but it's just like, but North Carolina is cool. Where are you in North Carolina? Um, I'm near the Chapel Hill, Durham area. Okay. And my Yeah. My office is in Chapel Hill, but yeah, there's a lot of, well, when I was living in Philly, there were no Californians there because Californians don't do winter. <laughs> right. And okay. I was like every February is like rocking in the corner going, why, why God, why? Uh -huh. um, but yeah, there's a lot of Californians here. I think, you know, I think climate change is pushing a lot of that as well as like housing prices. Yeah. And listen, there's like, it's a magical, beautiful thing when you get on a freeway here. And you can get where you're going in a reasonable time. And you wait, 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 hold on. Can I yeah. think, can I, can I let that sink in? Can you say that again? You can get on the freeway and get somewhere within a reasonable amount of time. Oh, I'm, I'll, I'll, I'm moving to North Carolina. All right. You don't have to Google to see like where <laughs> like the traffic jams yeah. are. And you can usually find parking within 10 minutes, even in the downtown areas. Wow. Those two things alone make it worth it. Yeah. Um, and there's winter, but just enough. It's like you do you get, get four seasons. Yeah. I like seasons too. Yeah. So when did you move to, well, I, I'm, I'm a smash cut guy, jump cut. Well, we go yeah, back and forth. Cool. Do it. <laughs> so if, if you're like, Oh wait, we were on that. And you remember go, Tony, get back on that. Um, but <laughs> like I have ADHD, so I completely understand. Um... <laughs> and most of the listeners do, of course. So they're just probably, they're, they're probably like, so following along. They're like, I get this on such a deep level. Um, the, when did you move to North Carolina? 
I moved here um, right before the pandemic, more or less. So in 2019. Yeah. So it was funny because I'd been in Philly for like 11, 12 years and Philadelphia magazine was like, we're making you spiritual guru of the year. And I was like, wow, that's really great. Thank you. Bye. (laughs) (laughs) You're like conquered. No, no, that's so Philly. Philly won't give it to you till you're about to leave. Just like an abusive relationship. <laughs> relationship. Sorry, Philly. Love you. But come on, you know how it is. How, how but, is Philly? Because I have a, I have a couple friends in Philly, but they were like they were they were raised there and then they came out to L.A. and then they kind of went back. So what what is because uh, I want to visit Philly. I find mm-hmm. Philly really intriguing. It, mm-hmm. And I, I don't nothing. I kind of know nothing about it. But the next mm-hmm. time I'm on the East Coast, I want to take a train to Philly. Well, the food is great. Like the food is incredible. Like don't try to go like get a chili rando, forget about that noise. But the Italian is great. Um, The, just the local food, the history, you know, it's gritty. It's real gritty. And if you're not used to those environments, it's a bit shocking. But then once you get used to it, it just feels real. I remember my brother was living in Riverside and I went to visit him after being in in Philly for 10 years. I'm like, ew, it's so fake. It's so clean and fake. It's fake. You know, because now I had that more Philly like mindset. Um, The people are um, it's a hard place to make friends. People like basically kind of stick with their their peer group, maybe from high school or college. But once you get in, you have friends for life, you know, and you, there's no mincing about, you know, how you stand with them Yeah, that I've always appreciated. Um, and you don't have to be fake Yeah, and no one's expecting you to be. And in fact, you, it'll be suspicious. I remember my first job in Philly. Um, and by the way, this wasn't directly from California. I was actually living in Istanbul, Turkey. That's a whole other story, but. Oh, wow. How long were you there? So I was teaching there at the time. Like my twenties were very itinerant. <laughs> Did you do you speak Turkish too? Uh, uh Piraz, a little bit, but my second that's, language that's... that I studied was Chinese, and that's where I also lived. So oh really? Do you would you speak Mandarin? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. We could do we could do the rest of the show. You speak you answer in Mandarin and then I'll ask and then I'll ask questions in English. And no, you know. that's not fair. You gotta <laughs> ask in <laughs> And then I will respond in English. Let's do it the other way. That was <laughs> really cool. You just blew my mind. <laughs> All right. Well, where were we? We were in Philly. What neighborhood in Philly were you at where it was gritty and your brother was in that bougie area? No, no. My brother was in Riverside. Okay. So I flew back to see him and I was yeah. like, oh, it's so clean and fake. Ew. No, I'm just kidding. But um, Oh, in Riverside in uh, California. Southern yeah. California. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like when you think about, you know, the early aughts of the disaffected youth with the skinny jeans who just don't give any S's about anyone. I don't even know if I can curse on this or not. Yeah. We're on radio. So no. And if you, but if you do, (laughs) don't worry, don't worry about it. I'll, I'll bleep it. Go ahead. Um, (laughs) But really that's the vibe of of philly that there was a real punk scene when i first moved there and i was in west philly there was a real um kind of straight edge movement there um and so philly pretty much started and kicked off this like moving back into the urban centers so i really moved at a very special and unique time that has now passed um but yeah, Philly is becoming somewhat of a bedroom community of of New York, which is unfortunate. You know, it, it's it's okay, but I love that Philly is so different from New York. Like New York is the place where you go to try to, I don't know, live out your dreams, and Philly is the place where you process your trauma. <laughs> <laughs> what a great comparison! Wow, yeah, huh. I feel like I have so much trauma to process. I should have just been living in Philly all this time. Yeah, yeah. And the food is good. Um, it's nice because you're pretty close to both the mountains and the ocean there. So oh. um, the 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 art, the research, like there's just lots of interesting people running around in that town. And so did you get your start in tarot there? No, I was reading 
at the age of 14 when my drag queen friends go right. back to the beginning. There, there yeah, we go. Yeah, there we go. We're here. Um, so I was 14. And a matter of fact, I remember the exact day I got my first deck because that was a day me and my friends at my little birthday party were watching OJ Simpson run in his Bronco. Uh-huh. That's Isn't it like great? We all, we all remember where we were <laughs> when OJ was running in the Bronco. That's right. It was June 17th, but my birthday is June 15th. So wow. I was unpacking, unwrapping my first tarot deck on that day. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> and then, so you get your first tarot deck. Um, did you want a tarot deck or was this like, a, oh, this is interesting. What is this? Um, no, I wanted it. I begged it. Okay. And I knew my parents didn't have any money. So my friendly drag queen neighbors who like loved me and I love them. I was, I was <laughs> shaking them down for it. <laughs> By the way. Hi, tarot cards. Do you uh, have any tarot cards? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do I have any? Tar- Wait, what? No, no. You're just, uh, uh, that was my, you're giving them subliminal messages when you're oh, saying yeah. hi to them. <laughs> oh, your garden's nice tarot cards. Uh, and, yeah. And, <laughs> You're like a queen. Are you like queen of cups though? Tarot cards. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Such a queen. Hand. <laughs> wait, wait. So the, these drag queens were your neighbors. Were they always in drag or they just dragged out mm-hmm. once? A, okay. No, like they were part That's of- That's a like lot a, of work all day, like all the time. <laughs> no, they were just lovely, wonderful men, but yeah. they gave me my start because uh, six weeks later, like, no, it was a couple months later, they said, hey- Jenna, we're doing a Victor Victoria party for Halloween. Do you want to come read tarot? And like my little 14 year old self was like, yes. And that was my first event where I just read for people in their living room all day, all night long. And um, I was hooked. And were you scared? I mean, at 14 to, uh, and to be, to like read the tarot and were you like hoping you got it right? Or were you just in sync with, um, the cards, like, were you looking at the cards every day and just kind of developing a relationship with the deck before, like, how did that work? Yeah, that's a really good question. And I think it was starting so young is what made me so, um, proficient. And it's part of how I teach tarot in the book and in my classes, which is you need to go after fluency before accuracy, mm-hmm. because if you're waiting for accuracy, you never get fluent. There's always this like kind of like self-monitoring or pausing that you're doing. So it never gets you over the hump of being able to use tarot proficiently. And so being at that age, you know, I was a teenager. I didn't give any Fs. You know what I mean? I didn't care what anyone, I was just like, hey, I didn't care. I, like I didn't, you know, I was still young enough that I didn't have a lot of that. Ooh, let me guess the implications of what I'm saying to you, right? Like, you know, like, so that actually helped in the long run. That's so cool. Yeah. And I can't, it's, it's so cool to start that young. Um, the, and, and I like how you talked about, yeah, yeah, I, that part in your book about, um, just almost like diving in and like you read the tarot for yourself, but also just like reading at festivals. You were, uh, you were talking about reading at festivals and how much that helped you grow mm-hmm. constantly doing that. Totally. I mean, that's why I wrote my first self-published book, which is have tarot will travel because uh-huh. when I decided to go full time, um, I started off at like art, like street art festivals, like charging five and $10 for readings because I had to get my chops up you know, your chops. And that only really happens when you're doing like 10, 50, a hundred readings at like 10 minutes each. And it's a low stakes environment. So if you screw up or you're wrong, whatever, they don't, you know, it's only 10 bucks. Like it's a, and it's a very short amount of time. So you can't go too deep. So it really allows you the kind of practice that you need in order to, to perfect your comfort level. And with anything, like, let's say you're juggling balls or you are trying to ride a unicycle, right? Like you want to be able to practice over and over and over again. But for me, reading tarot for others means reading tarot for others. We want to practice over and over and over again in a low stakes environment. So you get the feel of it. Once you have the feel of it, then you can start honing the accuracy, And that's often opposite of what most people do because they get hung up on the accuracy 
you know, like they're like, if you're a juggler, you're reading schematics on how to juggle, but you're not actually doing it because you don't want to bend over and pick up the balls a bunch of times, but that's how you have to do it to do it well. And the, and it's, it almost seems like when you're reading for someone, it's, you know, it's not like the, 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 the person receiving the reading and you have a word for it that I can't pronounce. What's it called? Quar- quar- oh, the querent. The querent. So the Quer- querent is the person yeah. getting read, right? Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. but they, it, it, it's as I, as I, um as I feel like I'm learning the querent also has a responsibility during the reading too. It's not like they just sit there and do nothing and you come in and go, right or does the does the person kind of have to bring in order to get a good in order to be a good uh, in order to receive a good tarot reading is there something that a person needs to do to bring themselves to the reading Mm, that's a really good question you know i think there are some readers who really don't want the querent to interject or talk or ask a question at all that's a certain like you know there's not just one way to read tarot like in the book I'm really just talking about my approach and which is coming from my philosophy of life. So for me, um, I don't like feeling like you're just going to sit back and let me talk at you for an hour, (laughs) you know, um, that there is a conversational element. I do want to know what it is that you want to know that you have to bring something to the table other than just paying me. Um, because that is your investment in the conversation that you are having with the universe, however you want to define that. And I'm really just kind of a translator slash messenger. That's cool. And I don't think that my relationship with the universe is just this top down deterministic philosophy where I'm just here to receive that it's a conversation and it's a relationship, which means I talk back, I get mad. Yeah. Sometimes I'm like, F you universe, you know, and that's how it is. And it is a negotiation. It's a dance. Well, if we're going to have a dance as two entities or two beings, that means you have to also dance. And that's the way I want to read. And, and, and so when people come to me and they're just kind of like, I don't know, you tell me, I say, well, first you're testing for, um, reading minds, mind reading, you're actually testing for mentalism, which is a magic trick. I don't read minds. Um, and if you don't, I'm kind of like a bloodhound. If you're not giving me kind of this, like giving me the sock or what the scarf of the person, then I'm kind of on the trail and I could kind of sense what it is I'm looking for. Otherwise there could be lots of information that might be important, but not relevant to you at this time or, not part of a, of something that you want to focus on. I'll give you an example. I think this is my book. You know, I was doing an event and this woman, I was like, what do you want to know? Cause we only have 10 minutes. Those are better with questions because mm-hmm. I have yet to have someone who is really happy without any questions in a 10 minute reading. Um, but anyways, if they uh, are, so they're all like, in like a ton of Zoloft. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> your medication, um, the, the cards say your medication is working. <laughs> no. Chad is totally going to deliver your food and propose to you. You don't have to do a thing. I know what people want to hear. <laughs> Sorry, I interrupted oh, you. Oh, yeah, you no, no. Out. So, yeah, the question was like, um, what do you want to know? Oh, I don't know. Like, whatever. I was like, are you sure? She's like, yes. Okay. Game on. I do the reading and I'm like, wow, I see something about your mother-in-law, her health, some issues with her. I proceed to give her the reading. And then once I was done, she goes, is that it? Yeah, that's it. Next. I don't have time for this. (laughs) You know, and that's what I mean. If we're going to let the universe talk, it'll talk, but it may not be necessarily what we want to hear. And so when people ask me, is it going to tell me when I'm going to die? No, it won't because I'm not asking for that. And anyways, yes, you are going to die. And that's such an uninteresting question for me. What I want to know is what happens at death? Who shows up for you? What do you leave behind? What karmic lessons have you maybe completed or haven't completed? 
how do you integrate yourself into the great, the great other? That's what I want to look at. That's what fires me up. Not just when you're going to die. What a small question, really. Yeah. Huh. It's, <laughs> it, it's, uh, in the afterlife, this is something that I'm, um, continuing to try to grasp because I, I grew up in a very Christian way and now I don't, Sorry. but exactly. No, you, you have no idea. <laughs> it was intense, but, um, but it's just like, now I don't, you know, subscribe to that, but I'm not, I'm not against the parables of it at the same time. It's just, sure. it's all mythology. So, but, um, but uh, how, what do you feel is, um, happens when we die like what's what's out there is it the unknown do we not know what what is what is your take on it so this is interesting I, i'm really not interested in trying to find the answer to that okay yeah yeah as much as i am continually honing that and crafting the question to that and okay. so i also do mediumship and so I can only speak to what continuously comes through. And then I don't try to speak more than that. Like I'm very careful. Um, so I, I, to answer the question is I keep reformulating the question and that's where I want to stay is in a place of perpetual curiosity and openness to whatever may arise without feeling like I have the answers I think that's a very dangerous place to be. And it's a place that really lacks the spirit of inquiry. And once you stop asking questions, then the relationship doesn't continue. It kind of just dies. So I'm less interested in that. You know what I mean? It, <laughs> and yeah, if, yeah. if I give you one answer today, next week, it may be a little different. And I'm okay with that too. Right. That yeah, I that's kind of I feel like I'm always trying to just I'm not, you know, I'm not trying to formulate it, but it does come up and I'm like, oh, maybe it's this, maybe it's that. And people talk about past lives and um I'm getting my natal chart read and on, you know, and um uh she's doing that uh this Wednesday, uh, um someone I know who I've taken astrology classes with and um and it's and she's just like, Oh wow, you got you have a lot of karma we gotta talk about from past lives. And I'm just like Ooh. Yeah, it's like not good karma. So get ready. <laughs> She's just wow. like, but part of me is like, yeah, I know. I've lived quite a long time and got my ass kicked well. So it's not going to, it won't be too much of a surprise. But um, no, yeah, you know, personally, I often don't make a distinction between what's physically relevant with science and also what's spiritually relevant. So for me, that past life question is equal to the epigenetic question. What's epigenetic mean? Epigenetic is <laughs> genetics. That... I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, no, no, it's cool. So epigenetics is the study of how your genes are expressed in you based on what has happened to Pat, your, your, your line, your ancestral. Oh, line. okay. Almost like, um, so almost like generational trauma type thing. Yes, but genetic. Okay. So like Intergenerational trauma can be learned behaviors over time from which the, the origin of that trauma has now been gone. Right. So mm -hmm. maybe you're like, oh man, like I always have to keep the door, front door locked, even if it's daytime, even if I'm home, because it makes me stress out if not. And well, why do you do that? Well, because my mom always did it. Well, maybe four generations back, there was a home invasion. You know what I mean? Like the origins of that are gone, but there's these reverberations that happen in our behavior that we're taught. Yeah. But epigenetics is about how your genes are expressed as, um, What's the word I'm thinking of? I've just blanked out on the on the word. That with evolution, we are always evolving in relation to stressors in the environment. And so there's that piece. And then that could also get a little esoteric. There's a really great book called uh, What Happened to You. Mm -hmm. um, and that's kind of talking about that process. I'm writing that down. <laughs> what happened to right. you? Cool. So something happened to like a really far back, you know, male ancestor along your Y chromosome, you're expressing that, huh? right? I mean, you're expressing it physically. I mean, 
I, I'm, I'm going to assume that you're from European <laughs> background. I mean, right. <laughs> right. Yeah, but you yeah. live in LA, like you don't need facial hair. Like what the heck, right. That your genes are still expressing a past that was glaciated in Europe. Huh? So, if so I'm, I'm, exu of, I'm exuding uh Europeanness. Well, yeah. you have a lot of <clears throat> facial hair, mm -hmm. which tends to mean that you come from a history of people where that was needed. That's interesting. You know, I'll, I'll tell you what, when I grew my facial hair, because uh, on <clears throat> sorry, I'm mostly Norwegian, but on the Italian side, whoa, <clears throat> on the Italian side, I went to my the Italian cemetery uh, years ago, back when I was married. And uh, I was there with my wife at the time and they had the um, they had the photos of my ancestors kind of like all um, on the tomb and mm -hmm. and the, like from like the 1800s and stuff. And they all had big bushy mustaches. And, <laughs> and, and she's just like, oh, my God, Like you have all of their eyes. You guys all have the same eyes. She was tripping out. And I was like, I think I'm going to grow a mustache. And that's why I grew the mustaches, because I went to the cemetery and saw my ancestors with their bushy right. mustaches. But you have all of their eyes. So then it also begs the question, I don't know if this is true. This is an example, but like, why do I love tomatoes so much? Oh, my God, I love them. Or why do I hate the smell of enter some smell like how much of that is free will and how much of that is inherited? We're yeah. really just getting into the, the answers of all of that. Someone was making fun of Norwegian food. I was, uh, I think it was Andrew Schultz on some, on some podcast, they were making fun of Norwegian food and they're like, who likes Norwegian food? That's like the worst food ever. And I'm like, you know, I love Norwegian food. <laughs> like yes, I'll do the good. Yeah. It's I'm a pickled good. fish guy. Come on, let's go. You know, so, like give me some of that brown bread. Come on. I'm here. Yeah. For yeah. <laughs> Don't make fun of my people. Yeah, right. <laughs> no, but yeah. I but I understand the uh but it is kind of funny because yes, yeah, I can understand people not liking food from Scandinavia and thinking that it's very weird. But, mm. you know, that's fine. That's cool. I mean, I just think about like how incredibly crafty like when we think of sauerkraut, right? Which is like Poland or like, you know, Eastern Europe into the Urals and Russia, like how incredibly smart it was because the process of fermentation makes sauerkraut have vitamin C. And probiotic. Right? So they ate it and they didn't get rickets. Yeah. But, but like British people who never really needed that didn't have a cuisine for that. So then when they started sailing, they got rickets wild right but if they were polish they'd be like we have sauerkraut that would have been no problem <laughs> right yeah it's yeah it's 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 all fascinating how we've you know it is we've then we've grown into um just this like the globalization of everything and of how you know, like even now i'm just talking to you on the internet through um through this you know if this was 20 years ago and i wanted to uh get uh some radio time with you i would book a flight to north carolina and probably set up three or four other interviews it's and that would be great too it's it's all um it's it's uh it's a trip there's you know there's there's good and there's bad to all of it um and i like not getting on a flight to north carolina just to do interviews but i would like to visit north carolina so you should come visit the barbecue yeah. is outstanding yeah yeah my friends just moved to wilmington oh yeah uh, yeah, and it's just uh, just like, oh man, they're showing me their house, and it's just like, you know, their mortgage is, um, it's like their mortgage is like less than my rent for my studio in LA. And I'm just like, oh, oh my god, and you have a backyard and trees, what? You know? Yeah, I mean, my my you know, the money I make, and that's why a lot of people are coming here is that the salaries are pretty high because at least where I live, the tech industry, I really think this area is going to be the next Austin. Um, and so you have the tech industry really having like top tier salaries, but the cost of living hasn't quite caught up yet. Huh? Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> He's all like, when can I, all right. 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 Yeah. I'm doing <laughs> like all calculating. You, you see me, you saw me doing calculations and yeah. speaking of speaking of being into intuitive, like you're being right now, <laughs> you're, you're reading my mind. I'm scared. Um, <laughs> That's mentalism. No, I'm not. <laughs> do you, do do you how do you open yourself up 
two intuitions like even in even in your medium work like how how how, how do you how do you learn something like that how, how how do you how does that start oh geez that's a big question well first i want to i want to talk about a distinction i would like to make that nowadays people are using the word intuition and psychic interchangeably okay. they're not the same thing at all at all at all so um first off intuitiveness or intuition really is the seat of your right brain which is still crunching the numbers as it were but it's happening below conscious awareness so someone who's really intuitive is usually a very good systems thinker and they're able to take all these little tiny little like you know pieces of evidence that seem very incongruent. And then they show up with like this way of like putting them together into a system or a state that makes sense. That is like um, Einstein said that logic, logic, logic is the servant, but intuition is the gift. And a lot of our big scientific breakthroughs happen from an intuition that you wake up or you have a dream and you now have the breakthrough. So you're still processing it on some, in some way that we don't quite understand yet. So that's intuition. Psychic phenomena is completely different bear. Psychic phenomena is some capacity of being able to know information or impact the physical world in ways that we cannot explain by any other means. And a lot of people go, oh, well, it's not real. It's not fake. Well, that's not true. It has been tested and proven over and over and over and over and over again in laboratory studies, but it gets suppressed because it is, well, it's kind of like the whole psychedelics thing, right? Like for many, many years, no one wanted to do any research on the efficacy of, of, uh, you know, hallucinogens for trauma, or marijuana, like no one wanted to touch it because if you touched it, there goes your career, your crackpot. And I think that's where we still are with psychic phenomena. So that's all to say, like to answer that question partially. And so when I'm talking about mediumship, it is a psychic phenomena. It is not an intuitive phenomena. And the reason why is I have no information about that person. So, um, there's an acronym that I use in the book and I call it FUMI, fast, unemotional, multiple impressions. And what I mean by that is psychic phenomena is fast. You are going to get it before any other cognition shows up. And the problem is that oftentimes it'll show up and we will discount it or question it or not understand it. So then we lay it aside. And so when you've ever, like, I don't know if you've watched any like mediums or psychics who operate, you, they tend to talk very quickly. This is them trying to get it out before their cognition shuts it down. And I'm sure you have that experience. All of us have an experience where we knew something. We didn't know why we knew that thing, but because we couldn't determine its source, we like rejected it out of hand. And then later it was absolutely right. Yeah. You have that? Yeah. <clears throat> well, there you go. That's it. And, and then so, I, yeah, go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, no, and, and I think we dismiss that as like, oh, that's nothing, but it's actually, it is something. So do, do, do we all have that capability, but we, we are close, we close ourselves off to it. And if we opened ourselves more up to it, we would gain more abilities. Like it's, it's there for the taking almost. Yes. I mean, it's like any skill, right? Like somebody may be naturally a better singer than others. Some people are naturally better at math than others. So you already have kind of that going on. And then you have, well, if those who are naturally good will lean into it by training, then they get even better. But everyone I think can do it. I believe it is very, very natural and it's not exclusive to humans. Animals do it all the time. Um, I really, if you haven't read anything by Rupert Sheldrake, um, he I think he was like professor at like Oxford or some highfalutin <laughs> school in the UK. I can't remember. 
Um, and he was a biologist, but he started looking into this stuff. So he has a really great book called the sense of being stared at. Oh, interesting. Right. With actual research. Yeah. And then there's another one he did for animals. It was, um, Oh my gosh, I can't, I'm blanking on the name, but basically it's about that. How does your dog know you're coming home before you do that? There is this phenomena that's happening. That's telepathic that can go both ways. And there's yeah. research that they've done. That's quite provocative and interesting. So that's what I mean. And I mean, um, there's even this piece when the CIA had a bunch of psychics for remote viewing, um, it's linked on my webpage. Um, but it has um, Jimmy Carter basically saying publicly that they found a downed plane due to one of the psychics that was working for the CIA. And there's a link with the actual him saying it. So this isn't me like putting my Tim Boyle hat on and like wanting to go into conspiracy theories. It's that, that the question that this exists is no longer and has never been a question. However, there are a lot of reasons like political or otherwise, mostly because you can't really, it's not easy to make money off of it or to make it is so um, like the moment I press a button, you're psychic, like it doesn't work that way. So we can't really commodify it easily. And I don't know, I don't want to get into late stage capitalism, but it seems like anything that's not commodified doesn't have value. Right. It's um, and that's a shame. Yeah, it's. I mean, I, I think that's why we still have cancer treatment, not cancer cure. You know, things like that, where it's just like, because there's no money in cure. <laughs> you know, not that I'm going to. There, there's Tony going way off there. Hey, hey go um, for it, man. <laughs> uh, there was a. I so this sense of being stared at. Um, I just took a. I went to clown school. I took this clowning class. It was a seven week class. And it's, and people, they're like, Oh, so you like, you're going to do like, you know, ch children's events and stuff. And I'm like, no, it's not like that. It's um, it's about the theory of clowning. And it's, it's like, people are very serious about this, but one of the things, and one of the, one of the lessons that we kept getting taught every week was how we need to be looked at and we need to look like we need to be, we need to be stared at. And we need to stare at other people. Yeah. And there's an exercise that we did in class. And these classes were like four hours long, and pretty rigorous. But one is there was 20 people. So it was a kind of a semicircle. <laughs> and like you, no, cl no clapping around. Sorry. I'll, I'll yeah. see my way out. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be here all week. Oh, <laughs> I'm, I'm going now. I'm going. Yeah. <laughs> no, um, no, but it's, we, uh, you, you get up in front of everyone. And this is after we've done like three hours of other clowning exercises. And you just say, you have to look them in the eye you, and everyone has to look at you in the eye and you say, I feel, and you have to give your authentic feeling at that very moment. And you just keep doing it. And until the uh, instructor tells you to stop, or if he feels like you're veering and out of your emotions, he'll bring you back to it. And it's very, yeah. And it's very vulnerable. And, but, uh, but at the same time, even being the person that's watching you go through your feelings, it's also vulnerable too. And it's almost like the, it's almost like the feelings are contagious because mm. it's just like, I feel angry right now. And you just, and, and you, and you don't say anything until you feel something else. And a lot, and part of the lesson is that you can feel angry and be safe with all of us. Cause we're with you and we're looking at you and you're looking at us and we're, and we're, and then another feeling is going to come and you, and you can just be like, you know, I feel happy now. And everyone just, it, the whole energy of the room shifts a little bit, but it's, but everything's about, we're looking at you. You're looking at us you need to look at each other. And it, and it kind of blew, that was one of my mind blowing walking out of that class and doing that exercise every week. And it's just like, <clears throat> And it's so monumentally vulnerable and like people drop the class, like, you know, and, and you almost knew who the people who were going to drop the class were. One woman was like physically like shaking as she was doing it. And it's, um, and she didn't come back for any other weeks, but it's just like, it's, it's um, the sense of being stared at when you brought that up. I, I feel like that's part of bring it all back to that's part of the, um, a psychic connection possibly between us 
Yes. So there's two things I, I want to share. One is psychic phenomena has happened already in our episode right now. And I'll, and I'll show you why in a okay. second. But the first one is that people that are attracted to becoming clowns, my, my feeling, this is not psychic. This is just what rises within me as I hear you tell, tell me that story is that people who become clowns are trying to process shame in some way. And so that act of like, this is what I'm feeling and being seen. Wow. What an incredible shame buster that is. Maybe we should all just go to clown school instead of therapy. Just a thought I I'm here for it. Let's go. Where do I go? No, exactly. That's it. I, it felt like therapy. It was like a four hour class every week. And it started with like yoga and movement and then sound work. And it's, I mean, you, it took like an hour to start to get you into the space where then we're going to start the class. And, um, and it, yeah, it's, I, I've been like recommending it to everyone. The guy who does it in Los Angeles is renowned for it. And he studied under the, there's this French clown guy that like trained Sasha Baron Cohen and all these other people under his tutelage and it's just like and it's not easy and it's not like oh hey we're here to have a good time it's it's a lot of no go deeper go deeper wrong 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 and it's just you're you're getting like kind of pummeled in class but it's it's kind of cool because you're being seen and mm -hmm. and also you could stay goofy and you're and it's just like you're holding back what are you holding back and it's just it it's it's almost like my you mother get... never loved me <laughs> and do that. Like, <laughs> no, it's, it, 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 dude. it's, it's, yeah, I, it doesn't get that deep because I think what we're, I think the thing is, is we're staying connected with each other who are in class. Yeah. So there's even like, um, you know, and what, what's the word they use for that? It's usually energy. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. But yeah, what is yeah. that? What is that? I don't know. Yeah. Cool. Right. Yeah. So it's like if if I'm talking about feelings, I'm not talking about feelings of my family or feelings of my trauma. I'm talking about feelings of my present as I look at my fellow classmates who I've never met in my life. And we're all kind of loon bags joining these courses. So, T Tony, how are you feeling right now? I'm looking right at you. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll, so when you said that, I'm feeling a little embarrassed and I think I blushed a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm yeah. hearing that. I'm seeing yeah. you. Yeah. And how are you feeling right now? I'm feeling um excited. And can I say more than one? Yeah. Or yeah, yeah. I'm feeling excited because the conversation is very exhilarating for me. Yeah. And I'm feeling tired because it's been a lot since the book launch. Yeah. And I'm feeling hungry. No, that's not an emotion. Sorry. Is tired an emotion? Does that count? Yeah, yeah. All right. I mean, I think it worry. I, there's, it's just about you know, it's about kind of grounding in ourselves and being okay with exactly how we feel right now, and we can yeah. tell the other person exactly how we feel. And you can even, mm. you know, it's like you could even say, "I feel anxious," you know, because this conversation has made me anxious. But it's just like it's like absolute authenticity, and none of it is wrong. It's, mm. You know, it's just like it's not wrong. It's not wrong to. You know, like when you said that and I felt embarrassed, it's not wrong to feel embarrassed. I just, I immediately just felt embarrassed. Oh. And it's just, you just take, um, you, you kind of uh, take it and honor it and go, well, that's what that feeling was. Oh. Yeah. I felt compassion. I was like, no, oh, I didn't mean to. <laughs> but it's not, it, 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 yeah. And it, there's no reason to, um, you, you did the exact right thing, which was ask the question. And I did the right thing, which was feel exactly how I felt. And, so the, it's not about feeling bad that the person feels angry or the person has a supposed negative feeling. It's just a feeling. And what's important is that we're authentic in exactly how we feel Be, mm -hmm. because like you had, you, you, uh, you may have felt bad and that's just empathy. You have mm -hmm. empathy because you get embarrassed sometimes. You're like, Oh, I get embarrassed sometimes. I get that. And that's, mm -hmm. and that's the beauty of it. Cause mm -hmm. it's just, it brings us all back to we're all human. This is, yep. this is nothing, this is nothing new to anybody. Yep. That's really great. Oh my God. That's a whole other episode, dude. That is like a whole other. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I, I wanted to talk about the psychic phenomena that's already happened. Yes. Yes, please. Yes. So psychic phenomena can show up in ways 
that don't actually look like it. And it looks like a normal thought, but it isn't. And sometimes, and here's like a, just an example that other people, like sometimes when you just pull something out of the air, it's not random, but that you were getting information. And so earlier I used the example juggling balls. And I remember thinking at that moment, I don't know how to juggle. And this is a weird um, example, but I'm going to go with it because I'm saying it. And you later saying, I went to clown school. That's a psychic hit. And it's not coincidence. Um, and I, and you'll know that it that's happened when you say something and to you, it feels like, oh, this is just a random thing I just said. And the person that's you're in, you're in conversation with goes, funny, you shouldn't mention that. Or like, oh, I can't believe you said that because, and then there's the thing that's the hit. So sometimes a psychic hit feels very, and that's what I mean. A lot of people who aren't psychic or haven't leaned into it, think it like, like, like I'm like the Sybil, you know, of Delphi where like, I'm like, you know, sniffing some, some herbs. And it's like, this like, whoa, dude, like this, like crazy psychic thing, but it's very, very normal. It's so normal. We don't always see it when it happens. And that's why I say, you've got to really watch your voice. So even me who does this for a living, like I've learned that those like random, here's a random example that I just pulled out of the air. You didn't just pull out of the air. There was something about the other person that sparked that information to come to you. And then you couched it as an example because the information kind of came out of context. So there, we just had a psychic thing happen in class or I mean, in class, <laughs> I teach. So I'm like class time. Right. No, um, yeah. I mean, it, does that make sense what I'm saying? Have you ever it had makes that? A lot. You, it makes a lot of sense. Having, yeah. Oh, sorry. No, it's um, because I've, I've worked, I've, I've done this show in different, arcane, different incarnations through the years, but now I've done it where, <clears throat> um, like with your book, it's a little different because I want to read it. I want to read and kind of gauge, um, you know, especially with tarot. I mean, I'm, I only interview people that interest me, <laughs> you know, it's just like, oh. this is interesting. I want to have this conversation. It's not like people are pitching all the time and I'm like, yeah, that's, that's cool. I like that, but I don't think we're going to have that it's it, it i don't see the conversation but i the my preparation for the show is not i don't have any preparation other than maybe i'll look through a book a little bit if it's fiction i won't look through it at all i'll read the first 20 pages and put it aside because i want to talk to the person mm -hmm. and so usually my only question i have is how are you and mm -hmm. then after that i'm very open to listening and then i go oh wait you know what what would make sense i want to know about that about you and that's that's kind of, pro, you know, it's, that's the, that's what excites me when I, that just excites me on how to do this. Mm -hmm. And then people can listen if they want or not. <laughs> I'm, not I'm not trying to be Terry Gross, you know, it'd be very, <laughs> even though I adore Terry Gross, I, but she's very prepared and, you know, blah, 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 so, and she sounds important and high status. And I'm just like, Hey, I get embarrassed sometimes. <laughs> we, we got there. Yes. Yes. <clears throat> which I also feel like is, um, th and this comes back to like writing and other things is I feel like there's magic to it. Like, you know, cause I'm a writer. So that's, that's like my first thing in my life. And, I, and it's, and I feel more and more that that's actually a magician. I'm, a ma I'm, I'm, I'm creating things out of onto a blank page and then it creates worlds. And then these worlds are created and actually becomes maybe a published book or maybe a film. And then all of a sudden there's a lot of people putting work into something that was just an idea on a page. And you made that idea on a page, you magically made it into something larger. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. The acid just kicked in. So that's why I got that. Well, I'm, ki puff, I'm puff, kidding. Pass, Tony. Puff, puff, pass. <laughs> I don't know how to do it. I've never done things. acid. I've never done oh. shrooms either. My friends are like, dude, really? you got to do shrooms. And I'm like, I know I got to do shrooms. And I'm very, and I, and I, and I'm, you know, well, I know the pharmaceutical. Know, it's like, well, coming back to that intention thinking and magic, as you are thinking about shrooms, shrooms is also thinking about you, Tony. No, that's, yeah right yeah. and mushrooms <laughs> are cool because they like talk to each other under the earth and they're mm. they're the original internet they're... or you can think about it from a indigenous perspective which is the spirit of mushrooms 
Oh. Right. That the moment you start to think about mushrooms, the spirit mushrooms goes, oh, oh. And then there's a conversation that begins between the two of you. And it's an invitation. It's an invitation, but also like, I'm waiting for you to, to show up. I'm waiting, but when you're ready and maybe there'll be signs along the way that I will plant before, before you. So, oh, we can go another hour on that. Oh too. my God. <laughs> we totally could. Um, lots yeah. of fun things to think about. Okay. Jenna, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. This has been wonderful. Oh, man.
Jenna Matlin on Drinks with Tony. Check out her new book, Will You Give Me a Reading? What You Need to Read Tarot with Confidence. Next week on the show, we have Pleasant Gaiman discussing her new book, Rock and Roll Witch, a memoir of sex magic, drugs, and rock and roll. Thanks for for participating in this radio ritual. I'll see you next week. You're listening to 101.9 FM, KPCRLP, Santa Cruz.